The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, CC1Consulting.com, and I'm delighted to welcome you back for, yet again, for what is actually our 116th show. And... I'd like to, before I introduce my guest, Marshall Thurber, and talk with him about global convergence, I'd like to say a big thank you to Mark Colburn, who joined the show last week and shared his incredible story about how he became um, paralyzed in a paragliding accident and how he um, recovered himself to the extent that he won Olympic gold and two silvers uh, in cycling at the Olympic Games in London. Um, some really amazing uh, points there about you know, never quitting, even when things get really tough. And um, I certainly took some you know, great inspiration as I collaborated with Mark last, uh, last week to produce that show. And, you know, it seems collaboration, that there seems more and more opportunities today to collaborate. But for the longest of times, we've been kind of diverging, creating groups of people such as tribe, because it was thought and was at that time probably true in fact that there was not enough to go around. And according to my guest, this scarcity remained a truth until 1927 when Buckminster Fuller was able to demonstrate that when we cooperate, there is abundance. All we have to do is cooperate and scarcity no longer needs to be our operating context. And then, of course, entered the Internet. And, you know, I'm thinking about this. This radio show has been you know, an example of, you know, how technology has enabled uh, me to create this show with um, guests that I collaborate all over the world, like Marshall. And it's accessed now from over 50 countries each month. And, you know, to me, that is just one example of, of collaboration. But then, of course, there's governments with different ideologies uh, that are continuously clashing. And we just see that as we look at the world news. So I'm absolutely thrilled today to welcome my guest, uh, Marshall Thurber, uh, to talk about global convergence. And also, I'd like to thank a mutual friend of of ours, Helen Irwin, who connected us together for this interview. Um, If you haven't listened to uh, to Helen's um, interview, you can find that in the archive. It was on on branding and uh, was, was absolutely fabulous. So Marshall, Marshall is a successful attorney a real estate developer, an editor, a businessman, an educator, an inventor, a negotiator, an author, a visionary, and a public speaker. And his students have included some incredibly well-known and successful people, people like Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. I've got a, a number of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books on, the, um, on my shelves behind me. I'm also the founder and creator of Paul Mitchell Hair Products, the co-founder of Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. Spencer Johnson, who wrote the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Tony Robbins, T. Harvecker, and Robert Kiyosaki. 
And for those of you who've read Rich uh, Dad, Poor Dad, um, a book well worth reading, um, amazing book. Thousands worldwide have attended his programs, and he has a very high-profile client list. He co-founded the Berkeley Business School, teaching global principles of cooperation, learned from Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller, and the human potential movement. He utilizes um, experiential super-learning technologies, simulations, music, and graphics. His teaching is known for being leading edge, and I'm hoping to experience some of that in London uh, this year in June when Marshall's coming um, over to the U.K., Marshall Thurber's current focus is consulting small to medium businesses on a consciousness business model and delivering Berkeley's flagship experience, Business and You, globally. So with great pleasure, I'd like to welcome Marshall Thurber. Well, thank you. You're very welcome, Marshall. And what, what part of the world are you based in? Where do you live? Well, right now I'm in California, but my uh, home base is actually, there's three of them, so but one is in Utah, one is in New York City, and one is in the Caribbean. Oh, wow, so a, a wonderful spread of, uh, of locations there, um, some, uh, some tremendous places. So, so do you want to maybe just share a little bit about your incredible history? And, and maybe also in that you could just explain to us how you came upon Dr. Buckminster Fuller and the impact that he had on you. Well, basically, Fuller wrote a book in the 20s. Actually, 1938 it was published. It was called Mind Change to the Moon. And he was talking about, you know, the comprehensiveness that we're going to need as we move forward to understand what's going on. And you always want to start with the big picture first. And so I read that book and I just stunned by the way he was thinking. I had made quite a bit of money in real estate. And so I started following him around and going to his lectures. And I sat in the front row and got there early. And one day he just pointed at me and said, haven't I seen you here before? And, of course, I had just been following him from city to city listening to him. So that's sort of how we met. Wonderful, and and you know, just how much of an impact did he have on you? I would say the probably the most significant impact of any human being in terms of my education and and, and his perspective. Back in 1928, he made 50 predictions of what would happen in the next 50 years, and of that 50 predictions, 47 of them came true, including the you know photoelectric cell, fiberglass, etc person on the moon, all of those things in 1928 uh, seemed absurd. And of those 47 that came true, the two others came true, but they came true later. And they didn't make it within the 50 years. One of them was the uh, Internet. He, he predicted that had to show up. And then he also predicted uh, this buckyball, it's called, now, was named after him, the buck, Mr. Fullerene, which is a uh, carbon atom that is the most prevalent uh, atom in on the universe, and uh, he said it had to exist. He went through it from theory down how, how it was designed, and so he always started with the big picture and went down to the littlest picture, and he was able to make these levels of predictions. Now, of those 50 predictions, the only one that didn't come true uh, was he predicted that New York City would change its name to Radio City. <laughs> and of course, that, and that sounds silly and stupid, but if you're back in 1928, they all sounded silly and stupid. You know, a person on the moon... We have the word lunatic, you know, touching the, the moon, and he made the prediction that it would happen. So all of them sounded as, as wild and crazy as New York City being named Radio City. So you've got to understand that a man that, who can make that level of prediction uh, in the future was thinking very differently than the traditional human being. And I just wanted to be with him and learn how he did that. And that's incredible. And, and, and did he do that from 
as you, as you say, a, a, you know, an analysis of where they were and just sort of creative thinking? Or do, do you think this, um, to get 49 predictions out of 50, that he actually had a, a perspective of being able to think ahead? Yeah, well, no, there's no question. He always started with the big picture little. And many, many people try to go from little picture big. And what he was able to point out is that you miss the synergies if you start from the bottom up and you want to start from the biggest. So whenever I spoke with him, he would always start with the universe and then move down. Sometimes his question, you know, my answers from him were much, much longer than the traditional answer because they always started with the big picture and got you down to the, the final one. So it's a very different way of looking at the universe. And, 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 is, and that, is that a system that you teach? It is. Mm. And I'm just, just sort of moving, I'm slightly digressing from that point, but I'm really interested to talk to you and, and to understand, um, you know, the secret that it's... Uh, that you've um, maybe come upon through your personal history that has enabled you to influence all these successful people in self-development in the business world because clearly people listen to you. Well, it's taking the Buckminster Fuller approach, taking the big picture a little. And, you know, for instance, when we're talking about convergency, there are no straight lines in the universe. So you start with the principle that no one's ever found a straight line. So that means that you're either converging or diverging, and where are you in that space? For instance, right now we're converging. We're talking on this call, and you're in England, and the other gentleman I think was from someplace in Arizona, and I'm right in California, in Sacramento, California. So, uh, But we're now converging, and just on this call, and when we hang up, we'll be diverging again. So what Fuller did was explain from the biggest picture down, he called them the generalized principles, that you are either converging or diverging, and that we're now in a critical stage of convergence and all the dynamics that change as a result of convergence. Uh, and, and that's what's going on right now. The political process not, does not understand what's going on. They're just, uh, because they're trying to, still keep, no, they're trying to keep us in the, in, you know, the, the non-convergence stage. I mean, the, the way they make their, their power and control is to keep us uh, separate. And what's going on is just the opposite now. Yeah, and, and I guess I guess that has it's gone on for many many centuries, hasn't it? Keeping a separate and organized religion could be, you know, another example of that. And tribes and countries, and you know, setting up the you know the fences of nas- national companies, etc. So national nations are just some idea. When I grew up in Vermont, which is a very small part of America, uh, the town next to mine was ten miles away, and it was called Lindenville, and they were seen as the enemy, and that they were evil and distrustful and so, you know, we're 10 miles away, and I was told as a little kid that this is not, you don't want to go there because they'll uh, take your money and they'll be mean to you. And, you know, that's that's how far we've come now is that uh, as we start to connect at the level we are, that doesn't seem to be anywhere that people are really the mean and, and not, not cooperative. I mean, there has been a fundamental assumption that there's not enough, and therefore I've got to take care of me first, and I've got to take care, you know, so... Those, those assumptions of scarcity have created behavior that is no longer uh, optimal. It's not working at the level it needs to. So we're now converging, and, and we start to see that there's a book by a guy named Scott Page. He wrote a book um, called The Difference. He was able to point conclusively over years and years and years of research that a diverse group will, out, will always out, or almost always outperform a, a, a individual. And so we've now got this level of diversity that's now connected. And so creativity, et cetera, is now just going way, way faster and inventions, everything. So with the exception, I know there's a whole school of thought that talks about deliberate practice and, you know, like a golfer or, or a swimmer or 
uh, a heart surgeon. These people deal in a very, very bounded, clear boundaries that they deal within. And, and in that world, there's a thing called the 10,000-hour rule, and that, that applies to that small segment, which is way less than 1% of the population. What we live now is in a very complex, emergent uh, society. You cannot predict where it's going to go, but we do know that based on the research that when you together you are really better, that this, this cooperation is, is what's going to set you, uh, up, up, not apart, but it sets you forward, moving it forward. So the idea now of of the scarcity and divergent, I got to take care of me at the ex- and I can't take care of you because I got to take care of me, is is no longer the reality. And, and I mean, our, you know, do, do our brains need to, you know, change biologically to cope with this shift? Because it, it is quite hard to sometimes know how you know how best to put your time, where, where to focus your time, in this very, uh, this well, world well, that is is um, is, is growing. <laughs> And the opportunities are growing through the internet and the like. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's the reality is shifting, and it has to shift, and, and it's it is shifting. If you start to look at it, what we don't really grasp is the idea of this exponential growth. If I gave you a piece of paper, and I asked you just a regular piece, normal piece of paper you put in a, a copy machine, and I asked you to fold it fifty times, in other words, just fold it half, and then again and again and again. What would you say the distance would be of that piece of paper? Let's say if you fold it 50 times, how tall would that piece of paper be? How tall would it be? Yeah. If, if you folded it 50 times? Yes. Um, probably de- maybe may depend on how you folded it. You fold well, just half. Every time you yeah, double. Yeah, it's half and half, yeah. So it's, I, I think it's going to be, I don't know. I'll uh, take a guess. So I, I'll, take a, I'll take a guess at... Um, uh, a couple of millimeters. Yeah, it's from here to the sun. Well, sorry, so you're actually doubling it. Yes, doubling. Uh, See, that's sorry. exponential growth. It's from here to the sun. Right. Okay. Got so on. what you're doing here, that's called exponential growth. Now, the mind doesn't comprehend that very well because it's they're used to linear growth, not exponential growth. And what's happening now is with the convergence, we're getting this. We've hit the basically they call the knee where it starts to just goes almost straight up and so as a consequence what you're doing here is we've got all these exponential uh, technologies taking place and so therefore the old paradigm of scarcity really is just a misconception because we are growing exponentially right now yeah yeah yes yeah, yeah. and, and, and some people are able to take advantage of that and, and are, are doing so and i suppose i mean i'm kind of thinking about my when, when i was brought up you know it was kind of a, a job for life and my parents were aiming for and you got a steady steady income and you went to work and you you came away and then you you waited for your pension but actually the reality is if uh, i guess with that exponential growth is you could probably achieve all of what it might take a lifetime in the past if you just know how to work with it well have you had one job and stayed there forever have you i mean i've had, I had many many jobs and then <laughs> and now my, my job is continuously evolving <laughs> That's right. So it is going to continue evolving. So it's really this, it's the mindset. It's more than it is the skill set. And you're understanding the, the tremendous emergent process that you're part of. And that, and having to be, we, I've coined a word called DIVAL, dynamic value. So it's D-Y-V-A-L. And that your DIVAL has to be continually evolving in, in a dynamic way if you're going to 
make the biggest difference and also receive the greatest reward for it. So it's it, if you look at what the word value is, you know, you can it's quality divided by the the price you have to pay for it. And so if you want to increase value, you either increase the the quality or you lower the cost or you do both if you really want to have the difference. And so the, the cost of whether it's just energy or whether it's the cost of almost anything is dropping because we've got, and, and when it does drop, the value goes up. The quality based on Deming's work uh, is improving, not everywhere in the, at the same level, but quality is improving dramatically. Cost is dropping dramatically. Um, I mean, look at your cell phone. What does it do? I mean, it, it, you know, it just way more than you know, wakes me up in the morning. It, it, you know, it's not just a phone. It's got music. It's got so you're starting to see the, the dynamic value of, of what we're using. It's not just a phone. It's, it's an offering of multiple values and, and quality. So you're seeing more and more with less and less, and Bucky called that word ephemeralization. You do more and more with less and less. And we've now reached the point where we can now do so much more by cooperating than, than, than competing that everyone can be living at a higher standard of living than even the highest standard right now so that we just have to be willing to cooperate and not let the barriers of scarcity that is no longer a reality and the political processes they're going to be the last to get it because they're they're living in a, in a world that's no longer wh- where we are yeah but it maybe, maybe doesn't serve their personal interest for it to change too much well if you take a look at apple computer you know we we seven billion dollars of their profits are recorded outside of the United States and the United States are very upset that they don't have the money, they don't get the taxes on that $7 billion because uh, they figured it out with a bunch of smart lawyers and so what we're seeing here, what used to be a protective uh, mechanism with you know politicians except is, is basically no longer working. They're, smart people are able now to avoid the taxes because the countries, you know, they're outside of the country. So you're seeing it all over. I mean, the bankers now, the micro loans to the little countries are showing returns that are almost unheard of anywhere, and you certainly can't get them from the bank or from any major company. So mm-hmm. what are going on is that the, the individual people are making micro loans to countries that need it and and completely bypassing the traditional banking system. Very exciting conversation and uh, really kind of mind expanding. We're going to have to go to commercial break now and we should be back in just a couple of minutes and find out more about global convergence. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. 
Tune into Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm talking with Marshall Thurb about global conversions. And, and uh, before the break, Marshall, you were talking about global convergence and divergence and the, you know, these, these changing kind of structures and things needing to adapt. So I'm just really interested to know, you set up a, 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 an organization um, called Berklin, and I wonder, do you want to tell us about that and, and what that is trying to achieve? Well, one of the things about education is that they attempt to give you a belief structure, and you know, the truth believed is just a, uh, a belief, and it's just replacing one belief with another belief. And the Berkman process is you play various simulations where you actually have a direct experience or as close as you can in a simulated environment for where you want to go. And so it's all about experiential learning, and you make lots of mistakes, and you see how your conditioned behavior and even the beliefs that you may be holding are not serving you optimally in, in the world of business and actually in the world of life also. So it's it's really set up with providing as best we can a experiential type learning and get you closer to the truth of what's really going on rather than having you get replace one belief with another. And, and, and you said so that's simulated. I'm, I'm trying to trying to understand without having experienced it what by, that by, means. By very, the very different de- definition here is that you you have the experience of, of of whatever it is, and that is a belief. It takes it from a belief to your own world. I was have you you know when did you find out that what hot was when I told you that it, don't touch it it's hot or when you touched it uh, at a very young age. Yes. So even if I tell you don't do it, what did you do? Uh, oh yeah, um, I, I did it. And now you know what. Um, I know that that sparkler that I was told not to put anywhere near me, it was like a little firework, and that I stuck on my leg when I was about four years old, I still remember it. Yes. <laughs> and so what happened here is you had the experience rather than a belief. And no matter how much I tell it to you, it's just a belief until you actually have the experience. Yes. And so we try to recreate those experiences in a safe place so you can make the mistakes uh, and, and learn from them. And so the mistakes really are not mistakes. They're basically learning. So you really, the only way you can fail is not to participate. You, you've got to just go for it. And what the idea is we set you up in situations where you will, using your beliefs, have the move from a belief to the reality of your own experience. Wow. 
that sounds that sounds a fascinating experience and journey. I imagine that people uh, I've been on programs sometimes when I've gone gone away and they've they, you know they've been life changing, but they've had me thinking for a long time. I imagine that's that's what it's like through one of those experiences. I guess you realize that's exactly it. That is exactly it. And so it's not a lecture. You basically are totally engaged in experiences throughout these various programs. There is some debrief, but that's in related to your experience. It's not coming from lecture. It's coming from a debrief of your own experience. So, so go, wonderful. So, so going back to back to this global convergence uh, and you know, probably some of the ideas that book means to follow, I wonder how is it possible to, to say, effectively redistribute resources around the world so we are mo- more sustainable? And, and I know you believe... You, believe that well, anybody it, could actually individually be wealthy if we did it. How- it's not redistribution at all. In other words, it has nothing to do with redistribution. It's the creation and innovation that's going to okay. Uh, okay. change. So it's, redistribution is, is, is assuming scarcity. Yeah. And this yeah. is not, it's about creating. I mean, if you think about it, that, you know, the Maasai warrior uh, in Africa with his phone now has better computing power and communication power than the President of the United States did 25 years ago. Yeah, and yeah. that's not it's not a redistribution whatsoever it is an innovative value added process that does not to, nothing to do just the word redistribution is is assuming there's a fixed amount and 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 therefore there is scarcity so we have to take that word and realizing that that is an old concept and the brain thinks of in in, in terms of scarcity this is about i mean if you think about it, if i double your your net worth tonight do you mind if i double mine yeah. So, and there's no scarcity, and we're not. I'm not taking anything from you, and I'm not asking you to give me anything of yours. What I'm saying, together, we will be able to cooperate and produce through innovation. And this whole idea that diversity is makes it's a stronger uh, opportunity to create more uh, product and add more value, so that everyone everyone is enhanced. And you know, in the United States, you know, we have you know. The poverty level below that, 99% of the people have a television, they have cars, they have everything. This is the poverty level. And if you look 100 years ago, that, you know, like, you know, it just wasn't, so what we consider just standard below poverty requirements didn't exist. And that came as not as a result of redistribution of anything. It came as a result of technology and cooperation. And so that's what we're talking about. And now that we're in this convergent world and communication being so rapid, then the exponential growth of this nature of is what's going on. Now the, there is a huge lag in the political process and understanding that they're just, that they're still assuming there's not enough. And that's not true. That's the old Malthusian thought that, you know, there's, you know, we don't have enough food. The truth of the matter is that the greater the connectivity, the greater energy we have, the more energy we have, the higher the standard of living. We don't have to worry about uh, the overpopulation because as your standard of living goes up, population goes down. Look at Japan, which has the highest, basically, uh, standard of living in the world. They don't have enough people now to in their country. They, they're not even keeping up with the, the, the standard status quo. They're actually decreasing in population. Why? Because the standard of living has gone up so high, and now automatically human beings stop producing and, and so you, you, it's just a very different way. And so redistribution comes from the scarcity mentality, which is not where we're living. Uh, 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 why, why do you think of the real reasons that these, um, 
These powerful structures are just are slow to adapt. Buckminster Fuller was talking about this in the 1920s, and uh, you know some, the, some things have changed. We are we are moving, but uh, yeah, we are. But it's very slowly, and the political processes does not quite get does not get it. I mean, there's nothing they're they're studying basically, you know, a, a caterpillar, and what they really haven't seen is the scenario butterfly. And so you have to take a much bigger picture, and the picture of looking at the planet from a nation state is not the reality anymore. Now we're trying to make it a reality based on the the old paradigm, just like the word redistribution. Is it, it, these are just scarcity based uh, perspectives that just don't exist anymore. Are you, are you finding that you know any of these structures you must come into into contact with? Some of them sometimes are, are they showing more interest in this? Are you, no, they're going to be the, they're going to be the last to get it. They're not get, just not getting it. No, and is some of that because they're just they're focused on the next four four or five years and re-election? Well, there's all kinds of reasons, but primarily they don't have the ability to look or not looking comprehensively. And most people are specialization is is where they think you have to go. And what Fuller pointed out is that you know specialization is the first step to extinction. And uh, if you, you get over-specialized, you can't deal effectively with the emergent process that's happening all the time. And, and so over-specialization is really what these, what these nation states are right now. They're over-specialized to protect their country against, quote, quote the, the scarcity, which doesn't exist anymore. So they're de- perfectly designed for a world that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. But uh, what, what about things like, I mean, we do have these, you know, very different ideologies around the planet, and sometimes those those clash. Uh, do, do we need to be, I mean, how, how can we shift our mindsets to maybe understand and collaborate more? Um, it's the connectivity. It's the connectivity. It's connectivity that changes. I've gone around the world many times. I've got over 6 million miles just on one airline. Mm-hmm. And and so far, everywhere I've gone, people seem to be very human mm-hmm. and very willing to cooperate. So it's not the people. It's like when I grew up in Vermont and Lindenville was 10 miles away from St. Johnsbury and they were my enemy. But as soon as I got to know the people in Lindenville, I found out they were very human and, and very loving and very appreciative. And so it's pretty much the, 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 the paradigm of distance has really changed as, as a result of the connectivity and we're finding out that humans are, whether it's the Russians or the Chinese, or, you know, both places I've been in, both places I've found people just be delightful, loving, and caring human beings. A lot of my, connect- of my, connections, of my connections, of the many, a number of them speak in Iran fairly regularly, and they come back with the same message, just, you know, wonderful people. Um, but, the, but it's not, you know, the propaganda, uh, you know, gives a different message. You know, it's all based on scarcity. I've got to take care of myself at the expense of somebody else. Therefore, I have to protect me, myself from you. And therefore, you know, that's what creates nation states. And the convergence now has basically made nation states obsolete. The fences called nations have got to drop and are dropping. And people are just not waiting for the politicians to get it. They will be one of the last to get it because they, they just don't see it. And, and rightfully so. They were designed to protect us not to make us cooperate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and how are you seeing how are you seeing this this internet? The internet has come along and is is an amazing catalyst for this this uh, collaboration and, and convergence. I mean, you know, we give some examples of, of the scope and the scale of what you've seen and, and how it's bypassing 
these traditional sovereign structures. You mentioned Apple a little bit earlier. Yeah, well, there's no question. You start to think about it. Who's giving us permission to talk today? I mean, you're in another country. Maybe we shouldn't talk because I'm dangerous or you're dangerous. See, all that stuff is just nonsense created by the nation states, which will eventually have to cooperate so that we can work together. I mean, you know, when $6 billion of tax-free money by Apple Computer, which is supposed to be an American company, is not taxed here because we have not been able to figure out a way to set the, the rules up to, to do that. So everything's now going to change, has to change that way, because the world has already changed. It's just we have a lag in the political process that's not, you know, and it's in, in what is even the word economics. Economics is the allocation of scarce resources, and that's nonsense now. It's, they're not scarce, and it's really the whole new world has to be abundantomics, not, you know, not economics, which is, allocation of scarce resources that making a fundamental assumption that there's not enough. I think another thing I'm sort of, you know, really mindful as well with the internet is, is how, how through social media and things on the internet, you know, we, we suddenly see, you know, massive gatherings in the Middle East. Uh, you know, we also, we're seeing censorship of social media. Um, I, I've got a, a client I've been working with who, uh, who suddenly found themselves in a, in a slight, with a sort of PR challenge um somebody posted one message on facebook and thirty-eight thousand six hundred people had either, either liked it or commented it within 24 hours this is a a regional company it's not a you know it's not a big company it it enables people doesn't it to communicate very quickly yeah you then have your own direct experience it's not a belief it's your own direct experience of those people once you have your own direct experience it's like touching the hot stove except on the reverse, that you now know that what you're being told by your political processes is just not so. Yeah. Yeah. And when do you think, I'm seeing the same, we're seeing the same issue this side of the Atlantic with taxes as well, and seeing you know, the, the government shifting around, trying to work out how to, how to tax these companies who are able to see the abundance and, and operate outside of these um, the constraints. But... You know, will these will these sovereign fences? Do you think they will be removed? And and if so, how far are we along the journey, and how long will it take? Well, emergence to emergency. Right now, they're starting to get to a state of emergency in terms of their tax revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So, what's going to emerge is not really predictable, but it's going to be something along the lines of cooperation, where we're going to work together and uh, and, and increase the wealth. Uh, around the world, livingry, Bucky called it livingry, not wealth. And, you know, the fact that you can live in, in, in a space of abundance and whether it's in healthcare, water, food, whatever, it's going to take the initiative of the individual companies, the small companies that are flexible with to understand this complex emergent society that we're into and the politicians will just have to follow. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I mean, what, what do you think, um, I don't know if you're able to do this, but you know, Doctor Fuller was able to envisage a world in, in within, and changes within fifty years. I mean, uh, do you have a sense of what maybe ten or twenty or fifty years might look like? Well, my feeling is it's going to evolve around cooperation and understanding that there's enough to go around. Once you change your context, your behavior changes, but you've got to have a different context. And just like you use the word redistribution, see, that's the contextual piece. 
you know, if you start to think about it, we're, you know, there is no out and there, I mean, there is no up and down. If you think about it, when somebody says, I'm going to go up or I'm going to go down, there's an assumption, what, that we're on a flat plane. And the truth is, it's in and out. I'm so used to saying in and out, I forget about up and down. But up and down assumes that we're on a flat plane. And the truth is, we're on a little spaceship Earth that's, you know, moving along and rotating at, at the equator about 1,000 miles an hour. And it's traveling 63,000 to 67,000 miles an hour. And so we're all on the same little dirtball planet. And why would you want to blow up part of our own planet? And if you're on the spaceship, you don't want to blow up half of the planet just to protect our, our half. It's, it doesn't make any sense at all. No, no, absolutely. So when you start to look at it as, as a spaceship and that we're all Earthians, uh, you're going to see a very different perspective and you make very, you know, different theory. You're going to have different choices. You're going to have different choices. You're going to get different outcomes. And once we get out of the flat Earth scarcity mentality, which is where we've been, and, and rightfully so, until the convergence and the creativity is, that's now basically changed the whole thing is obsolete. That whole economics of "quote quote" scarce resources is no longer true. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I'm, you know, I'm kind of mindful of in in this country, and I'm sure it's the same in America. You know, we're we're very seem to be very good here. If there's a an appeal for something, and you know, there's a disaster, or there's a, a part of the community that helps, we you know we're good at at uh, giving some of what we have uh, and, and and donating it. We, you know, yes. Well, I think the natural thing is when you have enough, when you have enough, sharing isn't the problem. I mean, if, if you know, once I'm full, what? I'm sated. I, you can have the rest of the food. I don't need it. I mean, how much can I eat? And really, how many beds can I sleep in at one time? And so it's the, the, we just have to sate ourselves and then you're naturally going to give. And if you look at the big corporations like Microsoft and Warren Buffett, you know, what have they done? They've got so much money now that they're just giving it back. Because once you get beyond a certain point, as long as you're sated, then what's left over really is not a big deal. And, you know, I mean, so they're giving away billions and billions of dollars. Why? Because they're sated. They can't, it's no longer needed. So, so that comes out as, I don't, I'm not saying I want you to give to me uh, at your, you know, at your uh, expense at all. I says, let's get you sated. And then what you got left over, you're going to naturally want to share. Well, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that's kind of a, re, a redistribution, uh, unless uh, unless well, there's some innovation not, attached. And yeah. you're adding, you're adding. See, it's not, you know, it's not. I'm not taking. See, redistribution is like we're assuming it's X. It's not. It's X times ten, and you and all you need is two X. The rest of it, what you're going to want to see? You know, are we so? Uh, scarcity minded that we don't want to take care of somebody who's in you know africa that's you know that doesn't have it i mean it's it's really not at all about having to give up anything it's about creating abundance through uh cooperation and 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 that's what's going on we've got you know the connectivity immediately we start to build innovation at i mean with a much more higher speed because of diversity and, and diversity builds innovation without question better than any individual. So all of a sudden we've now got a connected world that's tremendously diverse and has tremendous opportunity to cooperate. And they are intuitively, automatically. If you've got enough, more than, more, more than enough, it's not going to be a problem. You will just intuitively want to make sure that those who don't have enough will 
get some of this, and it's coming from a, a creation of new. It's not about redistribution. You get more. I'm going to give you more until you are sated. Once you're sated, you will allow the rest of them to have the rest, and that's really what's going on right now. It's great. great. And, and often the, uh, the the feeling of giving giving that it gives you, um, that yeah. you're helping, uh, you, you get pleasure in return for for doing it. And you don't get, you don't get awards for what you receive. Who gets the awards? You get the awards for giving. Yes. You know, and it, and and when you start to look at where is the real happiness, it comes from the sense of cooperation and sharing. And really, sharing is having more. Once you start to understand that there is no longer the scarcity process is it's on its way out, and the, and the cooperation and diversity and connectivity is where we're doing. It's going on. It's not we're not there yet, but we're just beginning. We're, you know, in the threshold of a whole world of, of, of abundance, and we just have a structure, power structures, and a whole society that was based on scarcity. Fantastic. Well, we'll get a commercial break again now, but after, after the break, what we'll do is we'll start to look at, you know, what does this all really mean for, you know, us as business owners, business people, um, how, can we, how can we really work with this? So, we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be? Or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Marshall Ferber, and we're talking about uh, global convergence. And what I really want to sort of move on to uh, now, Marshall, is just we've had this conversation about what global convergence is and, and, and talked around it. But what does it really mean for business owners and business people right now? What can they, how, can they, how can they use this thinking to um, improve? The- well, the number one thing is your network and your net worth are going to be very closely related. And therefore, you want to do everything you can to expand your network and the number one thing is integrity. You, you do not want to do anything that's going to be at the expense 
uh, someone else because that's going to break your network. So this idea of win-lose has got to go. So if I'm in a business relationship with you, I want to make sure that we both are going to have tremendous benefits by working together and interacting together. So the new aesthetic in the new business is you've got to keep your integrity and you do not take anything at the expense of another person. Because if you do, you'll break that network and that breaks down uh, your, your net worth. So you just So the bigger your network, the wealthier you're going to be and the more impact you can have on others. So integrity is the new aesthetic of business. It's not win-lose or cutting sharp deals or making things at the expense of another. This is a huge difference when people, businesses had a a bad name uh, because of this idea of win-lose and negotiating to make sure that I get the advantage. All that stuff is, is, is passe. We now have a convergent world, and so the cooperation and, and, and together we're better are not just a few words. What they are is exactly the success strategy that you, you want to have. I think, we have, I think we, have, we have a TV show in the UK. I know you, you have a, an American version of it, The Apprentice. And, and I, sit, I sit watch it. I've, I don't watch it anymore, but I used to watch it in absolute pain at some of the behaviors that I would see. Um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's an old paradigm, and you're going to see that's going to go away. I mean, this win-lose Donald Trump stuff is, is uh, the old, old paradigm, and it, makes, you know, it just doesn't make any sense in the current reality. Mm. And, and, and how, what, um, how should business owners you know, really be adapting what they do? And you know, are, there, are there things, would you recommend people read the, um, Bookminster Fuller? Are there, are there th- no, I think they've got to learn how to connect. They've got to really get fine-tune their integrity, this golden rule of do unto others as you want to have done unto you. You know, it used to be a, you know, a value. And by the way, there's, I've looked at 19 different uh, religions, and all of them have some form of the golden rule. And that's a great place to stand from. But now it's the only way, really, to, it's the aesthetic of successful business long-term. Integrity is the essence of success long-term. You can, get, you can cut a few times in the beginning, but ultimately the network gets... Um, you know, you, you can't do it anymore. In other words, you don't have any place to hide. I mean, go on the Internet. If you do something that's not okay, just Google it and you'll find out. Yes. A lot of people thought it's not a good idea. It's an absolute requirement. Yes, because you can, you're absolutely right. I mean, we've got things like TripAdvisor here. People are looking at hotels and places they're going to go. And, the, and Amazon, I suppose, on Amazon is a similar sort of thing. And you're continuously looking now at recommendations, aren't you? And if right. you, here's someone you that's not operating. You don't, then. You don't read the, the publicity written by the book cover. What do you do? If you go to look at a book, what do you read? You read the reviews of the people who read the book. Uh, at least that's my experience. So that you're finding that the integrity of the book has to stand on its own. And then the reviews are going to be what they are, so, and they'll be positive. So the whole idea here now is integrity is you can't do anything out integrity. If you do, you're, that's the end of it. Now, I've done things that haven't worked, but they were not coming from a space of deliberate intention to deceive. I've just had some learning. So the idea of learning, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. I mean, one of the reasons that Japan has done really well in terms of being able to build beautiful quality cars is that they understand that. But when you get to the innovation, it requires making mistakes. Innovation is, is fraught with mistakes and false starts and, you know, leaps of faith. And so you've got to have a culture where it allows failure to be uh, rewarded as a learning experience, not as something bad. Mm. And, and so it's, 
businesses are, you know, listen, if you look at your businesses and start to understand that, you know, eight out of nine, oops, sorry about that, eight out of nine will be, um, you know, uh, fail, but that one that doesn't fail is going to move the world and, and your business is way further along than they are. So the tolerance of fi- failure, not as seen as failure, but as, as learning, is critical. So businesses have to be willing to take many ventures knowing that only one out of ten is going to work, but if that one out of ten is going to way outperform the ones they've lost, it's the same thing I use in my investment philosophy. And so it, it's it's all very important to uh, to take, you know, we don't want to go risky. You want to go, you can take risk, but not risky. Risky is it takes you out of business. So there's a whole thing about risk versus risky. There's a thing about working on, not in your system. So if you've got a business and you're working in it, you're so at the effect of the small variations and, and, and daily drama that that's not it. You've got to learn to step one back, take a more comprehensive view of, of what you're doing, and you know and that comprehensiveness is going to make you make much wiser choices than being in it. So you need to work on, not in your in your process or your business. So it's very, very different. I mean, so the tolerance for mistakes has to change to seeing that they are a tremendous benefit. And we celebrate mistakes very deeply so that you can get a culture where everyone is making mistakes and learning and correcting. Just, you know, when you did touch the stove and I told you about it, what? It was a mistake, but now you know. <laughs> you won't do it again. So it, mistakes got to be allowed, and that's what's hurting Japan and why their productivity and why they're having a hard time is they can innovate only so far because if innovation requires mistakes, it's it's considered culturally a bad thing, yes. and that's really hurt them. And that has to change if they're going to survive in abundantomics. They're going to have to be willing to. You don't walk right foot, wrong foot. You walk right foot, left foot, and eventually you get to where you're headed. But it's a mistake first to the right, then to the left, and you know eventually you get to where you're headed. It's very true. We learn often learn more from our mistakes and our successes. Uh, don't we? So I think that you know that attitude. I guess that you know mistakes are something that, that happen. They come along. We learn from them. Um, you really have to go. You have to go hydra. There's a big thing about post-traumatic stress syndrome and how this is really damaging people. But what people don't realize is that there's the other side of that, which is called post-traumatic growth syndrome. It's not going back to being resilient. It's actually getting stronger. And we use the word hydra which is if you remember the myth, uh, Greek mythology where you know you cut the head off of, of, of a monster and two grow back, well, the world is really going to go, is going hydra. So you're going to find that every time you quote, quote, make a mistake, you're not going to go back to resilience. You're going to actually go hydra. And, and so this post-traumatic growth syndrome is, is, is well documented. It doesn't get a lot of press because it doesn't have the, uh, the drama and the sympathy, but Really, the world now is is to go hydra, not try to go back to being resilient. Resilient is assuming, again, status quo, and that's not what it is. The the planet now is going hydra. We're getting stronger. It's fascinating how some companies, and I'm thinking of, we talked about Apple, but Apple and Facebook and Google and those sorts of companies that weren't around um, a number of years ago. I guess Apple's been around for a while, but very quickly... You know, gone. Maybe gone Hydra. They've they've yes. gone from nothing, and and completely challenged the traditional structures of doing business. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think they have done? That well, there's a couple of things that I think. If you look in your life and think about the person, say when you were 
let's say uh, 16 or so or younger, that a person that had a profound positive influence on your life. And I don't have to tell me what it is, but I'm going to ask you a question. Is it because that person was an interesting person or was it because that person was interested in you? Uh, they were interested in me. Right. So what is going on now? This whole stuff on Google and, and uh, uh, Facebook and not Google, but Facebook and you take the uh, uh, Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. Those are all about me, 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 me. They're, they're not interested. They are interesting. And where the real power is when you become interested. And so the whole idea here is if you're going to run a successful business, you've got to stop being interesting and start being interested and serving and coming from that space and creating your dive around service, not around being interesting. I think that's a phenomenal distinction. And anyone listening to this, write that down on your bit of paper because I have. And, and I guess, you know, thinking about things like social media, which I don't know, I kind of move in and out, move in and out of, is how can, how can, can we use those formats to be interested yeah, well, you know, pencil is just a, a tool. This is the, the these are tools, and you know, the greatest pencil doesn't write any poetry. It's you that does that, and it's your perspective. So these things can be used. These tools can be used to make the world better, which means, but it's going to have to come from a space of how can I serve you? How can I help? And from that space, you're going to make a huge difference. It's this idea of interesting. Is just exactly that. It's not the space that's going to give you the most powerful return, whether it's in life or whether it's in business. So you're going to have to learn those of, you know, the big power in business is being interested, not interesting. Yeah. And most advertising and all that stuff is about being interesting. That's not it. It is. Great. That's going to go on my whiteboard on the wall after this. Just, uh, that's a really important uh, life distinction there. So thank you thank you for that. And I just want to have got just uh, about a, a minute left now. I wonder what your final message is that you'd like to leave us with. Uh. Well, we're reaching a whole new world of abundance. And you can either be out in front of that parade or you can be at the effect of the fear and the concerns that, you know, the nation states are all having because they are about to go away, not not overnight but the whole idea that this idea of scarcity is not there why don't you just become a bill gates or somebody warren buffett or someone who's going to do well but by being interested not by being interesting so the 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 whole world of business now is about how can i serve and of course you will make profit because that's how you move but that is not what the thing's about it's about service to others and to humanity as we start to converge and are converging you might as well get out in front of it because it's not you can't change it. You know, just like you can't it's a structural change. There's no going back. I mean, no matter what you think about it, you know, you're not riding a, a horse to work anymore. You have a structural change and you're in a vehicle and, and you know the the internet is another structural change. We're not gonna go back to the old way. So either you can ride your horse or you can embrace what's going on, which is the convergence. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> Thank you uh, so much for sharing that with us. I think um, really some real food, food for thought and uh, I think worth going back over this recording as well and just uh, thinking about it and thinking about how you can operate with more integrity, how you can fine-tune that, um, how we can maybe connect more. And I've really taken that point out about um, you know the difference between being interesting and interested because I, I completely agree with you, being interested gets uh, the results. Um, Marshall, um, 
look forward to um, hopefully catching up with you in uh, in June when you come to the UK. Well, that'd be great. I think that you're in a very influential place, what you're doing here and what you're doing in your life and business, that if you're willing to see these paradigms and start operating the other place, I think you'd be stunned by how much more effective and powerful uh, and how much quicker you're going to make the world a better place. And I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. And I appreciate you uh, collaborating with me on this. And um, if you want to find out more about uh, Marshall Thurber, go to um, berklinglobal.com. That's B-U-R-K-L ynglobal.com if you've got any more questions or feedback do send them to me at chris at bmoreachievemore.com uh, on this uh, show uh, next week we've uh, got uh, uh, two gentlemen Simon Drury and Steve Bernard and what they're going to talk about which is a nice flow actually from um, the uh, talk with Marshall today is they're going to talk about business collaboration but also you know, how can you avoid some of the pitfalls of it because um, we probably all had situations when we, when we collaborated it's not quite worked so um, that could be a really good follow up to this fabulous um, uh, conversation today and uh, information that Marshall shared. So Marshall, uh, once again, thank you very much. Well, more than welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the 